Well, has your year gotten off to a good start? Has it? Okay, we're going to pray for the rest of you. It improves quickly. I'm going to ask you to do something that you've likely never done in church before. I want you to stand up. I know you've done that, but stand up. All right. I want you to put your hand up in the air. Right, left, doesn't matter. Just put a hand up in the air. And I want you to give a number one sign. Come on. Number one. You know, people do that all the time in sports, right? All the Clemson, Alabama fans are doing that. I've even heard some around here making bets this morning. Now, they're glorified, spiritual, sanctified. Well, some of them are. (laughs) But I want you to keep your finger up, number one, while we pray. Lord Jesus, it's in your name we come to the Father's throne right now. And we worship our God as the one true, only God. We recognize that you have given us this life and it's the one and only life we have to live and help us make the most of it, Father. And this world's a big place with a lot of people and Jesus died. Lord, you died for everyone on this planet. But I'm also thankful you died for me, one man. And on that cross, you could see each human being, one person at a time, and you died for each one. Our lives are busy, and this place is sometimes hectic. A lot of people, Father, are part of our lives, but help us. Help us see more than a crowd. Help us see people, one person at a time. Help us see that person, that one person's spiritual condition and that one person's need for Jesus. Holy Spirit, place on our hearts that one person you want us to invite to church this week. Place in our minds the name of that one person for whom you want us to pray who's lost this week. Give us a burden, Father, for that one you want to use us to love and serve and reach for Christ and His glory. And Father, help us in this one hour to forget everything going on in this world and focus only on You and to hear what You want to say to our one heart, my heart, each of our hearts. Lord, we give You glory. And we thank you that you, the God of eternity, is involved in our lives one person at a time, one moment at a time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, and you can be seated. Let me ask you a question. How many people does the average American know? How many people do you know? Now, the truth is, I, I don't know how many the average American knows. I don't know how many you know. I, to be honest, I don't know the exact number of people I know. I know there's some I know really well, others I casually know, and everywhere in between, right? People I used to know that I've lost contact with, and people I don't know today that a year from now will know. There's a lot of people in our lives, but researchers at Columbia University tell us the average American knows 600 people. I won't bore you with how they calculated that, but that's the number they came up with. The average American 
600 people, some more, some less. That's the average. How many of you are on Facebook? Be honest. Come on, stick it up. The average Facebook user in America has 245 friends. That's the average. So there's a lot of people we are connected with. And I want to ask you the question again. How many people do you know? How many people are you connected with? Do you have some level, some degree of relationship with? So that if if you spoke to them, it wouldn't be a shock, okay? Maybe you know them really well. Maybe you only know them casually. But but you know them well enough to, to say hi to them. How many people are part of your world? But let me ask you a more important question. Of all those people you know to varying degrees, how many of them do you know for a fact know Jesus? How many of them do you know for certain what their spiritual condition, their spiritual reality is, and if they died today would go to heaven or hell? How many of those that are part of your life can you say with relative confidence, I know where they stand spiritually, I know where they are in terms of salvation and a relationship with Jesus Christ? Christmas Eve, we had the Rubik's Cubes up here, and I won't go over that whole sermon again. But we talked about the countless turns you can make trying to solve the Rubik's Cube. The number is astronomical. But there's only one pattern that can solve it. And of all those others... Beyond billions of ways you can turn a Rubik's Cube, there's only one basic pattern, one system, one algorithm you can follow to solve it. And all those people in your life, all those who have friended you or you friended on Facebook, all those people with whom you have some level of relationship, many of them are lost. And they're trying all these different ways to live and prepare for eternity and face death. But there's only one solution. There's only one answer, and it's Jesus Christ. And again, I ask the question, do you know the spiritual reality of the people that are part of your life at this moment in time? With confidence, with assurance, not hope, or well, I wish, or well, I just assume, but you know. From their testimony, from conversation with them, where they stand spiritually. See, we don't always see the world clearly. We don't always see it the right way. Yesterday, uh, my eyes became irritated. I don't know why. They just started burning and itching and vision got a little bit blurry. So I, I went to put some Visine. I started feeling better pretty quickly. And... Uh, as I was putting the Visine drops in, I wanted to read on the box how many times a day I could put drops in. Well, have you noticed how instructions on these things are usually pretty small? And yesterday with my eyes irritated, nothing more. I couldn't read it. So I brought out the old trusty magnifying glass. Any of you have one of these or another type? Yeah. I have them everywhere nowadays. And I put it on there and thought, whoa, wow, I could see, I could read it. And uh, 
what I want to do this morning is I want to do the same thing for you spiritually. I want to use Scripture to help, help you see maybe more clearly than you might see right now what God says about that one person, those one persons in your life and how He wants you to see them and what He wants you to do to make a difference in their lives. Allow God's Word to help us see more, more clearly the strategy that He wants you to use and me to use in this world so that people can know the one way. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father, what? Except through me. So I invite you to take your Bible and open with me, please, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. The Gospel of Luke chapter 8. There's a, a story that many of you are familiar with here. But there's a part of it maybe you haven't focused on before that I want us to focus on this morning. Jesus and his disciples get into a boat and they sail across the Sea of Galilee, if you will, from, from Galilee, which is on the, the western shore of the sea. They cross over to the eastern shore, to the other side. And we pick it up in verse 26. The Bible says, then they, they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. So they've gone over to the eastern side of the, of the lake. And when he, Jesus, came out of the, out of the boat onto the land, he, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time. So get the picture. Here's this demon-possessed man who's running around without any clothing. He was not living in a house but in the tomb. So he lived outside. He ran around through what we would think of as the cemetery. And seeing Jesus, he, this demon-possessed man, cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, what, what business do we, notice the we, it's the multiple demons inside him, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit, Jesus had, to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times. In the past, this demon, these demons had seized this man many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, yet he would, he, he'd break his bonds. He could, he could snap those chains. He had demonic strength at times. And he would be driven by the demon into the desert. And so I'm sure everybody looking at this guy said, he's crazy. He's lost his mind. He's nuts. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He's speaking to the demon. What is your name? <clears throat> and he, he said, legion for, for, for many demons. Legion, many, many demons had entered into him. And they, the demons in verse 31, were imploring Jesus not to command them to go into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And so the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And we can identify by that sentence the basic area where this happened because there's one place on the coastline on that side of the sea that, that is, is steep, rocky. And so they, they run into the, to the Sea of Galilee and they, they die. Verse 34. And when the herdsmen, notice this, when the herdsmen 
saw what had happened, what did they do? They ran away and reported to the city and out in the country. They, they went and told everybody, here's what happened. One of the things you need to do as a follower of Christ is tell people what's happened in your life. Tell, tell people what Jesus has done in your life. One of the ways you can begin, begin a conversation, even the workplace, is to talk about what happened at church. I, I loved our Christmas Eve service. We took our kids to trunk or treat. You can do that. Talk about what God is doing. Talk about what's going on in your life. Talk about what God's doing at church, how he's showing up and how he's changing lives. Just talk about what happens. Verse 35. And people went out to see what had happened. Because when you talk about it, people, some people want to check it out. But if you never talk about it, <laughs> there's no reason for them to ever want to check anything out. If you never talk about church, why would anybody want to come when you invite them? If you, if you never want to talk about Jesus Christ and the difference he's making in your life, why, why would anybody accept your invitation? What's God doing? And so the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they became frightened. See, Jesus heals people in all sorts of ways. He heals people emotionally. Heals the scars of the past. He heals people's outlook on life. He heals broken hearts, ruined lives. He heals marriages that are on the brink he heals lost souls. He's in the business of healing people and changing their lives. Well, let's drop down to verse 38. Because at the end of verse 37, Jesus and his disciples are getting in the boat to go back to where they had come from. And in verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him, begging Jesus that he might accompany him. Jesus, let me come with you and your disciples. What did Jesus do? At the end of verse 38, Jesus sent him away. He said, no, you can't come with me. He sent him away, saying to the man in verse 39, return where? Where? To your house, to your home. Oyakia, oyakos, the Greek word for your home, your family, your extended family. Your community. And what do you do when you get there? Jesus said, go to the people you already live with, the people you already know, your oikos, and do this one thing. Describe what great things God has done for you. On the wall in our lobby are testimonies, stories of lives Jesus has changed. What is a testimony? What is your story? Simply describing what Jesus has done in your life. The great things he's done for you in forgiving you and saving you and giving you a home in heaven and granting you eternal life. 
blessing you in this way and blessing you in that way. Jesus said, go and describe what I've done for you. And so what did the man do? He went away. He obeyed Jesus. And as he went, what did he do? Proclaiming throughout the whole city. See, his oikos is more than just his immediate household. It's the people he knew in that community. He proclaimed to people in that city, in that town, where he lived, where he came from, the great things God has done for him. And it is amazing how many times in the New Testament Jesus says, that is what you as my follower are supposed to do. Talk about me and what I've done for you where you are with the people you already know. In a nutshell, that's what oikos evangelism is all about. Now here's something you need to understand. Because this word oikos is not just your immediate household. It's, that, that's its primary usage in New Testament Greek and classical Greek. But it also refers to anyone connected with you in your household. It can be in the scripture, it can refer to the, the, the household of faith, the church of God, our family of faith. It can refer to a nation. It can refer to your lineage. It can refer to your descendants. It can, can refer to, to your business associates. It starts out with your inner core of your family and then just extends out in usage to people you know. But here's the thing. If you're going to do what Jesus told this man he had just healed to do, if you're going to talk about Jesus to the people you already know, here's the kicker. God has to have done something in your life. And one of the biggest reasons we don't witness to family members and relatives and neighbors and work associates is not only do we know them, they know us. And some of us aren't being faithful to Jesus. And they know it. They know it if you got drunk with them. They know it if you talk like a, a lost sailor at work. They, they know it if you steal or if you're lazy or if you cheat or if you lie. They, they know it. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody expects you to be perfect. But they know if you're the real deal or not. And one of the reasons some of us don't talk about Jesus and don't talk about church much to those that we know is because we are not allowing Jesus to do in our lives what he did in this man's life. We're not allowing him to heal us, fix us, change us, grow us. And so the only response is silence. You, you, you can go someplace new and talk to a stranger, and they don't know you. But if you're going to talk to the people who know you, you got to be the real deal. Not perfect, none of us are, right? But real, genuine, as a follower of Christ. And so when I talk about doing evangelism, brothers and sisters, it's also a call to be right with God. It's a call to discipleship and spiritual growth. That in and of itself is non-evangelism, but you will not be effective as, as an evangelist if you're not walking daily with Jesus Christ. 
And so it's a, it's a call to holiness and it's a call to purity. It's a call to obedience. It's a call to faithfulness. Go and describe what he's done in your life. What's Jesus done in your life lately? What's Jesus doing in your life these days? What are you on fire about? What are you excited about? As we talked about last Sunday, are you praying for God to show his glory in you and through you and in this church and through this church? Here's something else. My Oyakos group, those people I know, your Oyakos is fluid. It's fluid. There, there are people <clears throat> who've been part of my Oyakos since I was born, right? I've got certain family members that they've always been there. But there are people I used to hang out with and now I don't even know where they live. Life changes over the years, doesn't it? When I tell high school, you know, <laughs> you, you all remember when you were a senior in high school and graduated? Oh, we'll stay in touch. When you go to this school night, we're going to stay in touch. And the last time you saw them was when you said, we're going to stay in touch. <laughs> right? It sometimes really shocks teenagers when life happens that way. You move to a new neighborhood and you make new friends and those that you used to see all the time, now you never see them. Change jobs, change cities. Spouse dies and you remarry. There's divorce and Remarrying this blended family and new family members, new connections, new relationships. Our Oyakos, while it has some parts of it that are static and they're always there, much of it is fluid. When Stephen was in high school and played ball at Rock Hill High, there was a lot of people I met and built relationships with just because we were there all the time at basketball and baseball and stuff. I don't have those opportunities. I'm in different circles now. That's how life is. And some people are part of our oikos, our life, our connections for a season. And, and here's the thing. We have to do something with that season because when that season's over, it's over. Most of us have lived long enough to understand we can't go back and redo it, Right? Monisa and, and Jacqueline and the rest of Jacqueline's family this morning went to church in Germany. The contemporary church. What's that? Frontline Community Church. That's a cool name. You know how they ended up there? Now they've been in Germany about six weeks. You know how they ended up in that church? It's not on base. It's in town. A family connected with them. And Jack and them are going to be leaving in a few days, going back to Italy to make preparations for coming to the States. But in that brief season, this one family said, we're going to seize the moment, connected with them and invited them. What are you doing with the people that God's put in your life for this particular season? Now, not just the ones who've been there for years or decades. But for this season, this, this moment in time, this, this window into your existence on planet earth, this, this one life that has different seasons to it. We often 
focus on people we don't already know and people all around the world, missions, and we should, that God told us to. That's important. And by the way, I want to give praise to God and thank you. Our world mission offering goal of $100,000, we've met that goal. Give God a hand for that. We've met it. That's important. But it's also important we not miss opportunities that are right in front of us like this man. Go back to your household. Go back to your community. Go back to your town and tell the people there what I've done for you. Rock Hill matters. York County matters. Chester and Lancaster County matter. The people in your neighborhood, those at your workplace, they matter. Who is part of your oikos? Anthropologists tell us we all function as part of three units in society. And these three units of society are universal. You'll find them in every culture. This is a way to help you think about who's a part of your oikos. You have your common kinship, your family, your relatives. Anthropologists talk about our common community, the place where we live, the place we go. And then they talk about our common interests, those things that bind us together because we're all into this team or we're all into that activity or we're all part of this club. Who are the people you know to varying levels in each of those Units of society. And as I said, they're not static. But who do you know right now? Be faithful in the moment. Be faithful in this day. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 2, please, in your Bible. Mark chapter 2. Just, just three brief verses or two verses here. Mark chapter 2. Jesus is walking one day. He hasn't called all of his disciples yet. He's getting ready to call one. And in verse 14 of Mark chapter 2, the Bible says, As Jesus passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. He was a tax collector. Not a very popular guy among the Jewish people. And Jesus said to him, said to Levi, follow me. And he got up and followed him. You know, I, I learned a long time ago, I'm not a prophet. I'm a preacher, but I'm not a prophet. I don't know who's going to get saved and who's not going to get saved. I never know when I invite someone to church if they're going to say yes or no. I never know when I share the gospel if they're going to commit their life to Jesus or not. God knows I don't. And sometimes God has surprised me. And he'll surprise you if you're faithful. Verse 15. It happened that he, Jesus, was reclining at the table in his house. Jesus went to Levi's home, to his house, had dinner with him. And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them. Who did Levi invite to his house? People he knew, work associates, business contacts, 
finance people, people he had a connection with, people he knew, people who were part of his world. And when it, he came to his, his house, it's, it's the word from the, the family of Oikos. It's another example of, of, of Jesus using this basic principle of, of gathering with, speaking with, loving on, talking to, serving, being with the people who are part of your world. That's what your oikos is. And that's what Jesus is doing. That's what Levi did. He just simply reached out to the people he already knew. Who do you know? Who's part of your oikos and what is their spiritual reality? Do you even care? Do you have any burden for the people who are part of your world? Are you willing to pray and say, God, show me, burden me, direct me? Another way to look at it differently than anthropologists is to think about your biological world. You family, you may want to jot some of these down so you can think about who's your oikos and then figure out who's lost and who's saved in it. Your biological world, your vocational world, your work and career, your geographical world, the place you live, the places you habitually go, and your volitional world, the, the, the choices you make about what you're going to be involved in, the activities you're going to be part of, your leisure activities, your social circle. All of these are people that God is allowing you the privilege of knowing. And they all need to know that one way. Because all these multiple ways people try don't work. They need to know that one way. And God has them in your world because you know him the way, the one way. You know him and you can help them understand that he's the way. You may just be the one God has placed there. For that purpose at this season in life. Out of all the people you know, all the people who are a part of your oikos, which ones are lost and which ones are, is God putting, which, which, which one even is God burdening your heart for? Will you allow God to give you a burden for one person you already know? Will you give God permission today and say, God, overwhelm me with concern for at least one person I already know who needs to know you? And I, if I was a betting man, I'm not, but if I was, I would bet that for most of us in this room, at least one person in our oikos who is lost, whether we know it or not, one person is a relative. For me, it would be my brother. And I know we sometimes say family is the hardest people to witness to. You ever heard that? You ever said that? Do you know what's really hard? Hassan John. Hassan John is a 52-year-old Christian pastor in Nigeria who lives every day with a bounty on his head placed there by Boko Haram, that militant Muslim group that in 2014 kidnapped 276 schoolgirls, most of them Christian. This militant Muslim group that 
in recent years has killed 17,000 people in Nigeria and displaced about 1.5 million from their homes. Hassan has received threatening phone calls. He's been shot at on the streets. When he goes to his church, he never knows if this will be his last day. But he works with Muslim orphans. And he eats meals with Muslims, which is really unusual because in that country, you don't eat with your enemy because they might poison you. He chooses to not allow fear to be king in his life. Do you know what he's doing? Can I break it down for you in really simple terms? Do you know what, Hassan, John, do you know what he's doing? He's, he's doing evangelism in his Oyakos because that happens to be the world where he lives. That's the place where he lives. That's the people among whom he lives. He's just doing what comes naturally to followers of Jesus, talking about what Jesus is doing in the place with the people where he lives. Now, I don't know if you've got a relative who will put a bounty on your head, do you? (laughs) Can I suggest you think about it a little bit differently? That perhaps family's not the hardest people to talk to. Because I'm convinced that most of us, if we won't talk to people we already know, we won't even talk to strangers. Right? And so the truth is, most of us never talk to anybody about Jesus. Let that percolate a minute. There's a few family members that maybe it gets a little bit emotional sometimes. But guess what? With some of those family members, anything you talk to them about gets emotional. But here's the thing about family. We can talk. But some, for some reason, we who are Christians sometimes choose to be silent around the people we know, even though Jesus said those are the first ones we're supposed to go to. When he gave the great commission in the book of Acts, you will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Where does it begin? Jerusalem, your place of living. So I don't think the issue is family. You know what I think the issue is? I think the issue is there, there are multiple issues. And next week I'm going to talk in more detail about some of the fears that, 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 that defeat us. But I think the real issue is that, that a lot of times we're just afraid to talk about Jesus to anybody. We're, we're afraid to talk about church with anybody. And, and, and for some of us it's the fact that We're not letting Jesus do much in our lives right now, so we don't have much to talk about. And that may be the place we need to start in fixing things. So, will you allow God to work in your life this week? begin revealing to you, helping you see who your oikos is, to begin burdening you for that one person. And maybe you already have a sense of who it is, or maybe it's more than one. 
For many of us it will be. Maybe you want to come and kneel here at this altar and pray for that person this morning. Pray for your relationship with that person, for God to use you. I want to, I want to encourage you, if, if you want God to work in your life, join my class on Wednesday nights at 6.30. And for eight weeks, I'm going to teach you how to do Oikos evangelism. Please don't leave here and try to tune out what God's saying to you right now. Do something with it. Do something with it. Let's stand and Steve and others are going to lead us and sing in our hymn of invitation. And you're invited to make your decision for Christ. As I said, come and kneel here at the altar and talk to God about your witness about that one person. Or even maybe you don't have a clue who that one is or that three or four or five are in your life. But ask the Holy Spirit to make them known to you, to reveal them to you. And then come to my class and we'll teach you how to get at that and how to discover those things. Others of you need to join this church. Brother Jamie is here at the front. Others will be here, counselors, pastors. You come and make your decision for Christ. Come and join this church. Come and commit your life to Jesus because Jesus wants to be this one in your life. He wants you to be part of the way, the one way. He wants you to have everlasting life.